Hello and welcome back to another episode of the It's a Crime O'Clock Somewhere podcast. This is episode 29. Today I will be talking about the murder of Jen Ramsaran. But before I begin my episode, I want to give you guys a little update on another case I covered in episode 7, the Wisconsin Slenderman case. Anissa Wire, one of the two 12-year-olds that stabbed her classmate and friend Peyton, will be getting an early, re- an early release from the Winnebago Health Institute. The court said she was no longer a risk to other people or herself. A review hearing is scheduled for September 10th, according to Oxygen.com. I will again keep you updated when and if she will actually be released. But now for today's case, the sources for this episode are the Dateline Secrets Uncover Season 10, Episode 6, titled Secret Lives, Oxygen.com, The Cinemaholic, The Daily Star, and Inquisitor. As usual, all my sources will be posted in the show notes. Jen would show me pictures of her castle and her kingdom on the phone. It started turning into addiction. She just wanted to be on her game. There was one player in particular with whom she was clearly smitten. I said, what if he does come up here? And she kind of giggled. She was going to buy her daughter a dress. That morning she was supposed to go to Syracuse. He asked if I had heard from her, and I said no. I just had a bad feeling. I just didn't know. You figured out where her iPhone was? Yeah, right there at the police station. It did show a location in town of Plymouth. I'm hitting the play sound, play sound. Then I saw it. I immediately called 911. It was the first uh, real physical clue that we had. Do you think she was having an affair? I can almost guarantee it. And do you think it was a direct link to these online games? Absolutely. Everyone needs to know the truth. That's kind of a bombshell. It's a big bombshell, yes. You can't take back what you've done. Jen Renz met Remy Ramsaran while they were in college. They fell in love, got married on July 18, 1999, and eventually started a family together. When Jen disappeared, their kids were 13, 8, and 6 years old. Remy was the breadwinner and was an IBM project manager. Jen was a stay-at-home mom who also taught Sunday school classes, was a Girl Scouts leader, and a leader of a knitting club. They were described as complete opposites who completed each other. Remy was loud and liked attention, whereas Jen was quiet. They were happy for years, but in the months leading up to Jen's disappearance, the couple began to grow apart. Jen started playing an online game called Kingdoms of Camelot, an online role-playing game that was released on November 6, 2009. Remy was a fitness fanatic. He trained for marathons and got Jen and Jen's friend Eileen Sales involved. Jen would cheer Remy and Eileen on with the kids, while Remy and Eileen grew closer with every training session. On December 11, 2012, Jen made plans to go Christmas shopping in the city of Syracuse. They lived in New Berlin, and it was an easy drive to a large array of shops. Jen planned to get her daughter dressed for Christmas concert. Remy would later say that Jen left around 11 a.m. and never came home. Remy called the police and said Jen never came home. He thought that maybe Jen got into a car accident or ran off with an online Kingdom of Camelot friend. Remy called everyone they knew, and Remy's friend Jason told him to use the Find My iPhone app. Remy said he went to the police station to tell the police about the app. It led the police to a location several miles outside of New Berlin in a town called Ferrasalia. Remy was the one who found the phone in some weeds. He called the police and 
This is the first time they began to suspect that Remy could have been involved. It was still intact and appeared like it had been placed there. Five days later, Jen's dad, Tom Renz, called the police. He said he had found Jen's abandoned van. It was found in an apartment complex eight miles from the Ram Saran home. I found my wife's iPhone. I'm on Moon Hill Road in South Plymouth. I haven't touched it. I can see it from here. Um, can you send someone out here? In the Dateline episode, Eileen is one of the main talking heads, and they asked her who she thought could have done this to Jen. Eileen said she immediately thought it was someone from her online game. Jen had been talking to an online friend from the UK named Rob and became obsessed with him and the game. Eileen said that Jen stopped cooking for her family, she'd ordered out more, she wouldn't do the laundry, and Eileen said she had even done the laundry for her at one point. Eileen also brought up that they went to the mall one time and Jen wanted to smell the cologne that Rob wore. In fact, Rob and Jen even sent presents to each other. Jen had sent lingerie and Rob had sent her $150. Rob Rob became a suspect, and according to Eileen, Remy was pissed that Jen would dare to cheat on him. However, we will soon learn that Remy was a hypocrite. Rob was cleared almost right away. He had been in the UK. The police even checked if his passport had been used. It hadn't been. Rob also thought it was weird that Jen completely ghosted him on the day she disappeared. Remy's behavior during the investigation and search for Jen was strange to say the least. He had hired a psychic and flirted with her constantly, even asking her to take pictures in a bikini. He and Eileen soon confessed to the police that they had an affair. The affair began about a year before Jen disappeared. Remy said that they grew closer during their training sessions, and he asked her one day if if he could kiss her. Their relationship soon turned physical, and they would be intimate when Jen was out of the house. Remy was asked if he felt guilty, and he said yes, but that he and Jen had talked about divorce. Eileen said she fell in love with Remy but felt guilty about what they were doing. In November, Eileen broke it off and she said Remy didn't take it well at all. Remy and Eileen were both suspects as soon as the affair came out. The small town of New Berlin turned against them. Things were about to get worse too when on February 26, 2013, Jen's body was found. She was nude and in an embankment about 20 miles from her home. Remy was notified, but the investigation was soon turned to just him. Eileen was ruled out. Remy controlled the media and appeared like an emotional husband. However, he was actually talking shit about his wife online, saying things like she wasn't a good mother for a long time, she never did this or that, etc. Remy also said that Jen's, quote, affair led to this. However, Jen didn't actually have an affair, just a flirtatious relationship with Rob. Remy's account of the day Jen disappeared was also questioned. He said she left at 11 a.m. on December 11th, but her phone was still connected to the home Wi-Fi past 11. Remy told the police he had gone out for a run at the time Jen supposedly disappeared. However, the police found it suspicious that he wasn't seen on any of the surveillance footage in the area that he said he was. He was confronted about this, and he just got angry. Remy and Eileen continued their relationship after they were ostracized from everyone, but she later said she was suspicious of him because she took him home from the YMCA that day on December 11th around 1 p.m. And he said, and she said he didn't invite her inside. Jen's body was outside too long to determine a cause of death, but it was ruled a homicide. Remy was arrested and charged with second-degree murder. At his trial, the prosecution painted Remy as a man obsessed with his mistress. They also said he wanted Jen's life insurance policy. 
They played jailhouse phone calls where Remy told Eileen, quote, you know, I look at my ring finger every fucking day and I just imagine your name right there, end quote. Jason, Remy's friend, testified that Remy believed that he would get custody of the kids if Jen ever left him. However, that was most likely false. Jen had wanted to leave Remy and even met with a divorce attorney. The prosecution also testified that Jen's blood was found in the home on their mattress and on Remy's sweatshirt. They, along with the police, said Remy killed Jen, cleaned up the home, dumped her cell phone and her van. And that's why he didn't invite Eileen in that day. Remy testified and said he was nothing but cooperative and didn't kill Jen. The jury didn't believe him, and he was found guilty and sentenced to 25 years to life. He was later charged with bribing an officer $100,000 to help him escape. He pleaded not guilty to this as well. Eileen later said that Remy had used his lawyer's computer to send her messages about their relationship during the trial. She said she regrets meeting him and their affair. She truly believes he killed Jen. In July 2016, he won an appeal, which was reversed in 2017 by the higher court. It's just so sad that three children lost their mom, and they were all at an age where death is still hard to understand. I think Remy truly thought he could get away with it and get away with lying to the police. He doesn't deserve to ever get out of prison. He's a liar and very manipulative, and it's a good thing that Eileen wasn't his next victim. While I don't condone her behavior, she fell into Remy's trap and is probably still being judged to this day. She made a mistake, but she didn't kill anyone. The real killer is locked up. This was a little bit of a shorter episode, but there's not like a whole lot of information about it online. My book recommendation for this week is Her Perfect Life by Hank Felipe Ryan. Summary. Everyone knows Lily Atwood, and that may be her biggest problem. The beloved television reporter has it all. Fame, fortune, Emmys, an adorable seven-year-old daughter, and the hashtag her loving fans created, hashtag perfect Lily. To keep it, all she has to do is protect one life-changing secret, her own. Lily has an um, anonymous source who feeds her story tips, but suddenly the source begins telling Lily inside information about her own life. How does he or she know the truth? Lily understands that no one reveals a secret unless they have a reason. Now she's terrified someone is determined to destroy her world, and with it, everyone and everything she holds dear. How much will she risk to keep her perfect life? I was able to request to read this book from NetGalley. I really liked it, and I was... And I like when a book has multiple narrators or timelines. In this case, it's told from two time periods about 25 years apart. Lily's family secrets are about to be exposed and her perfect world and facade is about to crumble. This book is full of twists and turns and secrets and I give it a 7 out of 10. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I would love to know what you think. Please subscribe, follow me on Instagram, rate, review, etc. I'll be back next week with an all-new case and book recommendation. And remember, it's crime o'clock somewhere.